It was interesting, my, one of my boys was doing a Bible trivia competition this week, and one of the questions was, what is the love chapter? How many of you know what the love chapter is in the Bible? Somebody shout it out. 1 Corinthians 13, that is correct. But here's the interesting thing. How many of you realize the Bible wasn't originally written in chapters? So it was a letter, and in order to better organize and to better study the Scripture, we've, we've broken them up into chapters and verses, but it was originally a letter. Now, less popular as memorized, there were quite a few hands that knew exactly where to find 1 Corinthians 13. That's the love chapter. How many of you had at least a verse from 1 Corinthians 13 read in your, in your wedding? Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. Yeah, many, many people did. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is about the gifts within the body. Look at what chapter 12 says, remembering that this was the opener to the love chapter. The end of chapter 12 says, verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, and helping of guidance and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles... Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Next sentence is the love chapter. Many times we've, we've, we've looked at that and when we say love, in fact, I may have said, we're going to talk about love. And all the single people were like, oh, I thought I was escaping that today. Oh, if only he was going to teach on something that applies to me. But we are. Notice that Paul was talking about how the gifts function in the body. And if we go to chapter 14, the chapter after the love chapter, it is the famous chapter on how to apply the gifts. It talks about prophecy and tongues and when it's right and when it's wrong and, and how to have an orderly Christian service. So God inspired Paul to talk to people about the various gifts they would have and about how to apply them to their Christian walk. And then right in the middle of that, he slapped the love chapter. But it wasn't a chapter. It was all part of one lesson. He was talking to us about the importance of love in walking out our Christian walk. When we read... Love is patient, love is kind. That isn't just something about how we should treat our spouse. That isn't something just about how our romantic lives should look and feel. Although it absolutely applies to that. But he was talking about how to apply that. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, where we're at, at the very beginning of the chapter... It says in verse, uh, I think it's 7, it says, Therefore, he's talking to the church of Corinth, he says, You do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So Paul is talking to a church where he says that all of the spiritual gifts were active. There were people there prophesying. There were people there seeing uh, miracles. There were people there teaching and, and giving. All of the, the gifts that are listed in chapter 12, he says were there. Yet he still had instruction for them. And he said, yet I will show you the most excellent way. And then he opens in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. And he says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, 
but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Here we go. The gifts. He just spent an entire chapter, an entire section, talking about the gifts. He says to these people, you have all of these gifts in action there. But if I perfectly prophesy, if I speak in the tongues of men and the tongues of angels, if I am an amazing orator, if I am gifted by God, if I'm speaking in tongues, but I don't have love, Anybody else annoyed yet? He says, it's just annoying. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries, not just some, but he says all mysteries, and I have all knowledge, but I don't have love, I'm just How many of you have ever heard a symbol solo? We don't have them. I mean, as, as, as a part with something else, the symbol can be, be great. It's a great crescendo in there. But nobody's like, all right, give it up for the man on the symbols. Let's hear his solo. We don't. Paul chose a sound that has value but never by itself. And he says, if I have prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and I have faith and can move mountains. All right, we don't need to raise of hands, but how many of you have wanted faith to do something impressive, to move a mountain? And you thought, man, if I could just pray and see something major happen, well, then I would arrive at this place of spiritual accomplishment. Paul says, nope, just a symbol. Without love, I am nothing. Then he says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but I do not have love? I'm nothing. He says, all of that is of no value. All of the gifts that he talked about in chapter 12. He says, if you have those, but you do not have love, you have nothing. It is possible to exercise a gift or skill without love. But when you do so, it leads to selfish dysfunction. Gifts callings, skills, talents. They do not have value, according to God, by themselves. Back in the 90s, there was, uh, there was a singer, grew up in the church. Um, she came to sing. Her name was Catherine Hudson. Came and sang at our church in Granville. Um, most of you probably don't know that name because this was in the 90s. Later, the talents and gifts that God had given her that she originally began using for God's kingdom, she went through a process and about 10 years later, she came out in 2008 with a hit single in the secular world and we know her, you know her as Katy Perry. Now, if you know her music, you know she's not singing for God anymore. Talent. A, a blessing, a like God-given gift for music, but no longer applied with love. A good communicator without love becomes a manipulator. A servant, someone who serves others 
without love becomes a virtue signaler. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 2, it says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have already received their full reward. They were giving, appearing to be loving, doing all of this stuff for someone else. And God said, it didn't have value. What little reward you got, it's already over. A teacher without love becomes a know-it-all. Even miracles the Bible says, become nothing. Nothing. Now, for, for a lot of us, that's hard to grasp. We think, well, if there's a miracle, that means there's supernatural there. And if there's supernatural, doesn't that mean that God approves? Did God approve of Samson? And his immoral behavior? No, he didn't but the supernatural still flowed. When I think of this, I always think back to um, a meeting I was in ooh, back in the early 90s. And I was at Oral Roberts University and they had as a guest speaker, Benny Hinn. I don't care what you think about Benny Hinn. There are many things. God has moved in his ministry. I don't care what you think of him personally. But here is something interesting. He shared something, and because it came from him, I thought it had some extra value. He said, he got up and he spoke to the, to the group of, of college students there, and he said, I'm speaking to you as leaders, and I want you to hear something. He says, I want to, I'm going to give you my opinion. He said, it is my opinion that the anointing and power of God can be abused. He said, it is my opinion that when you, there are even miracles that have taken place that were not God's will. And I'm like listening. I'm like, okay. And he said, it is my opinion. And he went to 2 Kings chapter 1. And he read the story about Elisha, or Elijah, excuse me, who was upset and he was sitting there and the king sent 50 men to come and send a message. And Elijah said, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down and consume you all. Whoosh, fire came down and they were burnt to a crisp. And he did it multiple times until finally someone came on behest of the king, just following orders, said, please, just hear us out. We're, we're only the messenger. And he read that story and he said, it is my opinion that that was not God's will. That was a grumpy man abusing the anointing and calling on his life. And then he went and he read in Luke chapter 9, 53. said, but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call, command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Jesus, the, the disciples thought, well, if it was a miracle, it was God. Can we, should we do the same thing? Remember, Elijah trained Elisha, who got upset about being called bald, called some bears out of the woods. Benny Hinn, in that same message, said, it is my opinion that also was an abuse of God's power. Now, when I get to heaven, I'll find out if he was right. But I want to tell you this. I have always kept that in my heart. What if he, in those cases, now it's clear in scripture. We see other examples that are clear. We know that what Samson was doing displeased God. We know it. But 
there was still an anointing on his life. He still grabbed the gates of the city as he left the prostitute's home, yanked them out and carried them up a mountain. The Bible says even miracles, just an empty gong if you don't have love. We must operate in love. This is part of how we as Christians are called to exercise every other gift we are given. It's not enough even to flow in the supernatural. Paul says more even more. He says, yes, it's good to desire gifts. It's good to do that thing. But there is a more excellent thing to do than even walking in amazing quantities of talents, gifts. And that is to walk in love. A gift, Jonathan Edwards said this. He said, a gift or ability does not require a change of heart as love and holiness does. Realize, oftentimes, we, we look around and, and we're measuring what's happening around us and we're looking and we're saying, oh, they're so talented. They must be doing everything right. Oh, the Holy Spirit is moving. They're supernatural. Oh, they must be doing everything right. And God says the true measure is are they walking in love? Because even if there is supernatural, even if there is all of that other stuff, if it's not accompanied with love, it's just a gonging symbol, a clanging symbol. It doesn't have value. The true mark of a Christian. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, and they will know you are my disciples by the supernatural gifts. It's not what he says. He does say that the supernatural will follow us, but he says they'll know your disciples by your love. Let's continue in the love chapter. It says, love is patient. Love is patient. So what does that mean? That means when we're exercising our talents, our God-given gifts, when we are walking out our Christian walk, and we think that patience doesn't matter, we are diminishing the effectiveness of our life, of our calling. It says, love is kind. It does not envy. You know, I have to admit, when I see the word envy, I don't think of that one as being the worst. I kind of look at that, and in my mind kind of categorizes it as a minor thing. Oh, envy. You just want something someone else has. Well, of course, how natural is that to want something someone else has? I mean, if they've got a really nice something, I mean, who doesn't want to have it? But I guess you've got to be careful with that. But let's think about this for a second. The first sin. The first murder. All of those had a root in Envy. Adam and Eve wanted the one thing they didn't have. Cain was envious of God's approval of Abel's sacrifice. Ah, he was so envious. Envy is not a minor thing. Not at all. I was wrong when I would think of it as something small. Jealousy is not small. It, it's, it's a part of that. That, that. that sin that sent Jesus to the cross. Without envy. Let's see. 
It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. You know, we live in a time when we praise people's ability to talk smack. To be able to trash talk someone. I mean, you can buy t-shirts that talk about talking trash. We, this, this concept of dishonoring those around you, those that you compete against, this is not a biblical concept. To dishonor people has become a skill that is praised. But the Bible says, no, that's, that is not what love does. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Now, just as I'm, as I'm saying each of these things, I want you to think, well, if, if I am easily angered, then what, what am I doing? I am... I'm turning my accomplishments, my, this area where I just got anger, I'm turning it into a clanging symbol. God says, right in the middle of telling people, these are the gifts and all of the, the skills and the talents and the things that I desire to give you. And we've talked here a bunch of different times about how what we want to do is we want to equip the body of Christ to accomplish God's purposes for their lives. How many of you want that? Right in the middle of talking about all the gifts and the, the capacities that he's going to give us and the supernatural empowerment that he has for us. He throws this in there and says, but you got to remember, if you don't do it from a place of love. But then we think love is a feeling. But is it? These, these things that we're, we're looking at, the choice to be patient, the choice to be kind, the decision not to envy. The decision not to boast. Electing not to dishonor others. Choosing not to be easily angered. Here's one. It keeps no record of wrongs. Man. Can you throw up our list? What love does, what it doesn't. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. These are the behaviors not just of a couple in love, but of a Christian in life. This, this is how we should treat our spouse, but this is also how we're supposed to treat our boss, our neighbor. Love walks in patience, walks in kindness. You ever notice that kids like have an automatic kindness radar? Like they can sense who is kind. Rejoice in truth. I think it might be partly because a lot of adults have gotten good at being kind to people who can do something for them. And kids can't do much for you most of the time. So, how you treat children says a lot about what's in your heart. Rejoices in the truth. Always protects. 
always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, it never gives up. It does not envy people. It does not boast about itself. It, I think we got that in the wrong spot, prefers itself over others. It does not dishonor people. It does not seek selfish desires. It does not get easily angered. It keeps no record of other sins, and it enjo- does not enjoy people's failures. Oh, like we can just look at that list and just recognize, wait a minute. There are areas there where I am undermining the effectiveness of what God has called me to do. In my marriage, I am undermining my ability to raise my spouse up into the person God has called them to be. In my workplace, I am undermining the ability to be a light. Love isn't just how I'm supposed to treat my spouse. Love, according to to Paul, according to God, love is how I am supposed to live my daily life as a Christian. Let's keep going. Verse 8 says, Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked as a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child. When I became a man, I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am known fully. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Wow. But all of that sandwiched in the middle of how to live a Christian life. How to walk out the gifts and callings that God has given us. I want to take just a minute because we read there and it talks about um, prophecies will cease, tongues will someday cease, knowledge will pass away. I have a question for you. Has knowledge passed away? Is there less knowledge today than there's ever been? No. It says, when that which is perfect has come. And it says, we see now in a reflection, we will see face to face. The question is, what is this perfection that it's talking about? What is, when is the face to face that will come? There are some people who have argued that prophecy has gone away, tongues have gone away because the perfection was the Bible. And so in the, in the New Testament, we saw miracles, we saw prophecies, we saw all of these gifts. And then when the Bible came, it was over because that was the perfection. And there is no more the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I just want to point out to you that does not make sense even according to the Scripture. Because along with prophecy and tongues, knowledge was going to disappear. Like there was going to be no more knowledge to obtain. Well, when will we know, when, when will the acquisition of knowledge be When we are with God. And it says here, face to face. The perfect wasn't the Bible. The perfect is the return of Jesus Christ. And our standing before him, as this describes, face to face. That's when we won't need tongues anymore. 
Because instead of our spirit communing with God, we will be face-to-face communing with God. Instead of needing his spirit of prophecy to come and tell us, we'll be in his presence face-to-face. We won't need that mere image of what he knows. We'll be standing there receiving it straight from him. That is what the scripture shows us. Love, the Bible says, is greater. Greater than, can we put up our our graphic here? It's greater than speaking in tongues. It's greater than persuasive speech. Love is greater than powerful communication. Love is greater than prophecy. Love is greater than extravagant giving. Love is greater than charity of any kind. It is of more value to treat others with love than to be highly knowledgeable. I mean, when we look at this and it says love is greater than Highly knowledgeable. We gotta, we gotta apply that. S- recognize. You mean I have done something better when I hold my temper and keep from mistreating someone than when I go memorize an entire chapter of the Bible, entire book of the Bible, go learn something of value? Yes. Love is greater than a faith that can move mountains. Many of us, we read chapter 12, said desire the greater gifts. We got excited, all right, I'm going to desire to do all of these things. I'm going to desire to have supernatural things going on in my life. I'm going to desire, I'm going to desire. But we didn't notice how these two things were connected. And he said, yeah, you can desire those things, but even more excellent than that is walking in love. Even more excellent than desiring all those things is walking in love. More excellent than suffering. More excellent than martyrdom. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40 says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It all boils down to love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God says, I do not care if you are having miracles. I do not care if you can sweet talk the bark off a tree. I don't care what talents you have. If you are not applying them according to the priorities in chapter 13, we think of we think of 1 Corinthians 13 as the love chapter, as like the wedding chapter, as like the marriage thing, as like, you know what, that's the cutesy thing we put on the the towel and hang over the handle on the stove and and oh. But God says, no, chapter 13 is the filter through which your entire Christianity should be applied to life. 1 Corinthians 13 is the life chapter. It's the chapter that teaches us how to live with other people. All of them even the ones we don't like. 
Valentine's Day, go be nice to someone you hate. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Don't think that just because you can do something impressive, that's all that matters. God says, no. The true measure of your effectiveness as a Christian isn't your ability to recognize your gifts. Now listen, I, want, I am not downing the spiritual gifts. We have been talking a lot about how the spiritual gifts apply to our lives, how to, to grow in our spiritual gifts. It, listen, guys, I, I got like a secret for you. The women each month have been learning about spiritual gifts. It's, it's online and you can spy on it. It's good. Emily has been teaching each one. I want you to go there. This is good stuff. You say, where is it online? It's in the Empower Facebook. Empower Minist Women's Ministry Facebook. You'll find it. We've shared it a couple times on our main page. But if you look it up, you'll find it. Go there. We want you to desire spiritual gifts. But all of that has to be filtered through the love chapter slash the life chapter. This is how a Christian applies their life. If you don't act in love, God, God says, listen, if you do not walk in love, then you don't even know me. You don't even... It, Wrong. You, you're, you're just a clanging cymbal. Look at me. I can speak in tongues. Look at me. I prayed for someone. They got healed. Look at me. I. You getting annoyed yet? This is how God, my wife's like thoroughly, thoroughly annoyed. This is how God views our showmanship when it's not coupled with love. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. I shared this yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yes, it was yesterday. Time is just flying. Yesterday with the men when we got together on Saturday morning, which, by the way, every second Saturday, join us here uh, to meet with the men. And it went great. But we read Ephesians chapter 5, 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, what does that love look like? What did Jesus' love look like? It was sacrificial. How many of you remember what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he gave up his life. He didn't say, oh, I am just so full of warm fuzzies for the world. I'm really excited that I get to give up my life. You know what he said? The Bible says he sweated blood and he prayed, if this if this can be passed from me, let it. But not my will be done, but yours. The love that we as men are told to give our wives is the love that reflects the level of sacrifice that Jesus was willing to give for the church. That is how that, this is my romantic section. Love till it hurts. And then you're doing it like Jesus did. He was willing to sacrifice. We get this idea, oh, I, I, you know, single people, like, I want to get married because I want someone to care for me, to love me, to serve me, to do all these things. But Jesus says, 
Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church, giving his life sacrificially for her. And we spent some time talking about that. How many of you were there yesterday? Was that good? Yeah. yeah. We talked about it. We're giving, sacrificing, being willing. What does that look like? That means, that means giving of the best. Someone, one, one guy raised his hand. He says, it's, it's like giving her the best cut of steak. Another guy says, it's like washing the muffin tins that she doesn't like to wash. It's doing what you don't need to do, don't want to do, simply because it will benefit her, not because it will benefit you. Did Jesus personally stand to benefit from giving his life? He gave his life because he desired the benefit for us. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. His love motivated his sacrifice. His love empowered his sacrifice. It was because of his love that he was willing to sacrifice. Romans chapter 13, 8 through 10 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are all summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, not, does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. God says, as a Christian, you treat others as you desire to be treated. You don't do harm to them because you wouldn't harm yourself. Ephesians 5 goes on to describe marriage and says, you are one body. Who, who desires to harm their own body? Nobody in their right mind. Love walks in patience, kindness, rejoices in the truth. Let's close today. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you understand us better than we understand ourselves. Lord, I pray that you will help us to have a perspective of our behavior that is consistent with your perspective. I ask that you would see and realize, and we, that we would see and realize how to apply your love to our lives. Lord, I ask that you would strengthen every marriage that is here. Lord, I ask specifically that you would empower us husbands to live sacrificially for our wives. Lord, I pray that you would empower us, that you would remind us in the moments that we are tempted to be selfish, to put others first. Lord, we ask that you would remind us not just in our marriages, but in our workplaces, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our extended families. Lord, we pray that the effectiveness of the callings and the giftings that you have given us would be magnified by our walking intentionally by choice in love with all those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, hey, the greatest love of all is that Jesus gave his life. The Bible says because he loved us, he gave his life. And then it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and confess with your mouth that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. 
What does that mean? That means that you will be forgiven of sin, that, that what previously separated you from communion with God will be removed. You are saved from sin. Your guilt is gone. Your sins forgiven. You're right with God. You get to commune with God both here on earth and after death in heaven. If you know that you've been forgiven, if you know that that eternal life is yours, I want to ask you to raise your hand. If you don't know, but you want to know, now can be your chance. We will do exactly what that scripture says. We will confess and believe, and the promise that God gave will come to pass, and you will be saved. With your eyes closed, just so nobody is embarrassed, I want to ask, if that's you and you're here today and you want to make your life right, accept that forgiveness of, God, of sins that God offers, I want to ask you to raise your hand right now, and we'll pray together. If you're watching online with us and that's you, I'm going to invite you to just repeat after me, and everyone will do it with you. Say, dear God, I believe you lived a perfect life and died on the cross for my sin. I recognize that you rose from the dead. I put my faith in you and I accept your forgiveness. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 If that was you, please send us a message. You can send us a private message on Facebook. You can send us a, a note on YouTube. You can send us an email. You can go to our website. You can walk up front if you're here and didn't raise your hand, but that was you. We want to give you some tools so that you can continue to walk in this life that you have chosen. We want to thank you for it. Um, Adrian, come on up. Tell us everything we need to know. <laughs> hey, hello, everyone. Well, tell us everything we need to know. I think we know so far, Pastor Josh is going to be joining the worship team. He's going to be up here now every Sunday playing the cymbal. Woo! That's awesome. That was good. That was also a tryout. That was awesome. Um, man, I, yeah, I just want to start off with some announcements. For those of you that don't know me, um, my name is Adrian Dykstra. I'm the youth pastor here, which is an absolute privilege of my life. It is such an honor to be able to serve this body that way. Um, but some of these announcements first. Today is Palentine's Day for the singles! Woo! That's going to be over here in the cafe um, from 1 to 3. If you could bring $3 just to contribute to some pizza, but also incredible fellowship. Um, that's something to look forward to. Also, this coming week on the 19th, so this coming Friday, right, um, from 6 to 8, the singles will be meeting here uh, for some more fellowship time, which can you get enough? A fellowship? I don't think so. I really don't. Um, Wednesdays here is a busy night, but it's an awesome night here at the church. There's a few things that we have going on. It's at 7 o'clock, we have our Marriage on the Rock class that we're doing for married couples to build on that foundation of love, which is going to be over here in the cafe. So if you're wanting to sow more into your marriage, that's one way to do it here at 7 o'clock on Wednesdays. We also have corporate prayer here in the main sanctuary, and then youth group. Come on. 7 o'clock. So there's a lot of awesome things going on here on Wednesday nights. But I just want to bring us into a time, um, an extension of our worship to God through a time of, of giving with heart for the house. Um, today's verse is going to be found in Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. And to give you guys just a little bit of context of what Jesus is talking about here. I mean, first off, isn't it awesome when you see the red letters in the Bible and you're like, Jesus spoke these words. Like, oh, that's like, Lord, what are you saying? He has his words for us. So I'm so thankful for that. But in this uh, parable, he's talking about the needs that we can experience as human beings and the worry that can come when we don't see those needs being met necessarily, or maybe the way that we're wanting them to be met. So he gives us two pictures. He shows us the sparrow who, who doesn't store up their food, doesn't work for their food, but he provides for the sparrow, right? 
And he's showing us, hey, how much more will I provide for you, my son, my daughter, whom I love? So that's a sense of encouragement there. And then he also says, for, for, for any of you that are worrying about what you're going to wear, look at the lilies of the field. How much more will, will I dress you? I clothe you. He actually compares them, that, that he dresses them better than King Solomon's robes, the, the wealthiest, richest, wisest man, right, to have lived here. And I, I just, I see those pictures, and I'm, I'm curious what it is that we might be worried about today that is keeping us from giving. And I believe, and I know with all my heart that the Lord wants to give you a picture of something to look at. Maybe it's not the sparrow, maybe it's not the lily of the field, but maybe it's something that he walked you through in your past to remember, hey, look at this thing right here. I'm caring for you. Don't, don't be afraid of that. So, so let me just read that verse with that context. Uh, Matthew 6, 31 through 33. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Not just some, not just partial. We don't enlighten him to our needs. He knows all of them better than we do. And I love this part here. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So wherever it is in your life that you're afraid to give because maybe you're seeing worry in other areas. If I give here, I'm not sure if that need is going to be met. The Lord is promising us here with his very own words that he sees our needs and he's going to meet those needs. And he doesn't say, oh, that's a good point. Maybe don't give then. Maybe don't, don't step out in that way. That's not what he's saying. He says, hey, if you need some encouragement, I'm gonna give you a picture. stuff, something to encourage you, but I also want you to seek first the kingdom of heaven right? Don't isolate yourself. Don't not give out of fear, but give in seeking the kingdom of heaven first and all your needs will be met. So I just want to pray a blessing over you guys today as you give financially, as you give in relationship, as you give of your abilities and your talents this week, that he gives you encouragement. Um, in the midst of anything you could be facing. So Lord, I just pray a blessing over every man and woman in this room. And I just thank you so much, God, for your love that you've shown us first, for being that example, Lord, that we're supposed to live by. And I just pray, Lord, for encouragement where anyone in this room is worrying, where anyone in this room is in fear. Lord, I just rebuke that in your name, Jesus, that that must leave in Jesus' name. And I just speak pictures, visions, dreams, Lord, uh, uh, remembrance, Lord, to encourage each one of us, Lord, wherever we are, that it would do away with the worry, do away with the fear, and we would step out in faith and we would give to you, knowing that you meet all of our needs. In Jesus' name, amen. And before I forget, there's a few ways to give. I always forget that part. The first is gonna be rlcholland.com. There's gonna be an opportunity to give there here to the church. There's also offering buckets on the way out. Or you can send us a check in the mail, 1006 Washington Avenue, Holland, Michigan, 49423. But God bless you guys. I really hope you have an awesome week and enjoy the snow. Woo! <laughs>